So we're going to continue on our topic of um, redeeming captives. And in this class, we're going to talk particularly about uh, meeting terrorist demands in exchange for hostages. So in a summary of what we mentioned in the last recording was that uh, the Chazal made a takana, it was brought in the Mishnah in Gitin, that you cannot redeem captives for more than their money. We mentioned that there are some exceptions, uh, I'm sorry, more than their value. We mentioned that there are some exceptions. For example, we brought from Tosis, which quotes from the Gemurang Subas, that for a wife, one can pay, pay 10 times their value. And we brought maybe Talmud Chacham, there's extra exceptions. We even brought a Machlokit on the Poskim if the whole argument is only when there's no absolute certainty that the person who's captive's life is in immediate danger of being executed. Whereas if they're in immediate potential of uh, being executed, and it's not, you know, potential, it's actually, it's like certain if they don't do something about it, we brought that many poskim say that you can redeem them at any cost. And we even mentioned that the concept of what it means not to redeem a captive more than their value uh, is also a dispute. And does it mean, you know, the value of being sold as a slave in the market, which was the view of uh, the Maram Lublin, which wouldn't be that much, and therefore you can't go beyond that? Or is it like the Radbaz and others who say, just it's based on a tosis, that really it's, it's, it's um, the value of a person who would be um, redeemed like any other country. If you would have, let's say, uh, hostages, so what would normal countries in today's society be willing to do for that? So certainly you have to go to that uh, level as well. So with all those considerations and many more that, of course, are not, were not covered, we bring a new layer to the question, which is, as we, we see, every unfortunate Time, from time to time it happens that there will be um, hostages and their demand is not necessarily even money. The terrorists, they want um, other types of things, potentially maybe uh, uh, people in prison. Other terrorists, they want to free out of prison. So if we look throughout the years, we find that the price has always gone higher and higher and higher and higher. It used to be that the numbers of uh, exchanges for terrorism would be maybe one for one, two for one, three for one. Um, and then at some point, they started getting way uh, much, much higher. For example, there's a, uh, in, there was a uh, 1979, the Lubavitch Rebbe spoke about how a, um, a, a soldier, a Jewish soldier, Captain Lebanon, they, they made a deal, the Israeli government made a deal of switching 76 terrorists in exchange for this one soldier. And the Rebbe was not going into the value of any soldier. Obviously, every Jewish person is worth more than anything. And who can even say that their value is beyond whatever would be asked for? There's no question. But the argument that the Rebbe had mentioned was how can it be that until now it was typical that you would uh, you you know you would switch a, a few terrorists for a single Jew, and now all of a sudden it comes to seventy six. At that time, 
when the Rebbe said this 76, that was like an unheard of, unreasonable number. And he was saying that the number has to be, can't be so unreasonable. We know that in the Gilad Shalit deal in 2011, there were 1,027 terrorists who were exchanged for, for the soldier, for the Jewish soldier. Again, to say that a Jewish person is he's worth more than any price that you could ask for. But what we see is that the amount of numbers of, of switches becomes higher and higher with time, unfortunately. Now, we'll go through some of the poiskim, how they look at it. And I don't know if things change from time to time. And that's what it seems to be. That the poiskim are not making a psak based upon a black and white case. This is the halacha and this is what needs to be. There are many multiple scenarios and it all depends also slightly on security issues, which is part of the calculations that some posts can, um, that they come to. So generally, the view of Rabbi Yaakov Ariel, also Yabi Aimer, from Rabbi Vadia Yosef, Shlomo Gorin, and others, many, many of these posts can, they basically have a, a view Again, it could be that they changed, and it's not the same, but what, what was the, at least given over in the past, and written in, in great length in, in their tshuvas, was that any soldier is worth more than any value, which of course cannot be measured. And, and I think that's self-understood to all of, all, all of Am Yisrael, that there is, whether Jewish soldier or, or hostage, Jewish, any, anyone, we don't, we, don't, we don't have a, their value is not going to be too much. However, what ends up happening is we have to look at what is the accepted rate. So if, let's say, the Israeli government was, had some established policy that they do switch in exchange, and this is what they'll switch for, that is the going rate. If you go beyond that amount, that's beyond their value. Not that their value isn't more than that, but it's based upon what are the established norms. Now, when you, when you uh, consider if, let's say, it was a soldier... So there is a rule that just like a husband can um, redeem his wife for all the money in the world, you know, or ten, you know, 10 times her value because she's like his body. So, so many, many of these posts that I mentioned, they say, well, an IDF soldier is like no less than a husband to his wife, that he has all the responsibility to redeem them, to keep the moral high, that every soldier would never be forgotten, etc. They also agree that even if we, we, we say that their value is worth more than, uh, you know, exchange would be, there is no rule of yoter kedei demein when we're talking about meeting the demands of terrorists and switching um, exchanges for releasing uh, hostages. But at the same time, the immediate other concern is, is that by saving the hostages, you are automatically putting into danger the rest of Am Yisrael, by releasing these terrorists. So, for example, in one report, the Gilad Shalit switch of, five, uh, of the 1,027 terrorists that were released, so they, they, it was reported that of those uh, 1,027 uh, terrorists, they were responsible for 569 deaths of Israelis. For the current... Uh, crisis now when the, from the Simchas Torah, the war that started on Simchas Torah, it's, uh, it's, show, it's been shown and, and that some, one, at least a couple of the uh, terrorists, at least one for sure, that was, it was switched and the terrorist uh, 
exchange for Gilad Shalit, one of them was one of the master planners and attackers of this horrific catastrophe which assumably killed around Rahman al son over 1,300 Jews in probably a single day. And in other words, we see that, that it's not, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, maybe it's almost certainty that when you take an active terrorist, high-level uh, terrorist out of prisons in exchange, they are bloodthirsty to go back to what they are most, uh, what they do and what they only try to do. And it's, it, you're bringing a sakana on, on, on behalf of everyone else. As we were mentioned in the Gemara from last um, recording, that one of the, the main reason of why we don't allow to redeem captives more than the kadei demei and more than their value is because, as the Gemara says, we are afraid they're going to take more captives as a result. And there's no hidden secret to that idea that the objective of, of, of any terrorist organization, Hamas and the like, is that if they can get more uh, captives and they say that there's some weak policy, let's say with the government, and they can get heavy amounts of what they're asking for and continue to show uh, terror. So we see that that's not at all a, a calculation which can be uh, easily, you know, we just give them what they want. It, 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 you're, you're also putting at immediate danger of everyone else. Maybe distant danger, but, you know, in- inevitable. The Rebbe also said this idea in the Sicha of Tavshin Lamentes, 1979. And he said that certainly that when these terrorists will be freed, they will go back to what they were doing previously, which is trying to assassinate and kill and kidnap other Jewish people. So it's a very important point that, uh, that it's not something that is, that the decisions on these matters and how to go about them is a very heavy matter and, uh, and uh, the most difficult questions. Generally, the postcoms say that the, the governments need to make the decision and, 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 and certainly the considerations are, are partially of so many considerations. Also uh, security, also morale, also saving someone whose life is potentially in danger. As we said, a, a, uh, a captive is, is feeling all of the worst feelings at the same time. Also death, also disorder, also natural, also torture. Also, so we can't even imagine the considerations here. But the Torah does have a uh, perspective on, it, on, every, on every case. There is also the concept that you know, sometimes terrorists will threaten, if, if you will continue attacks, we will kill, t- uh, we will kill uh, etc. This is also a question. If we say, well, if we listen to what they say, we're going to be saving their lives. Again, these are considerations where, but on the other hand, maybe they're bluffing, maybe this, uh, you could be endangering other Jews if you don't destroy the enemy. So these are these are most difficult questions which stand on the Romo Shololam, uh, as it said. I will just uh, at least finish off on a, on, on a positive note, uh, which is that since it's so complicated how to deal about with uh, getting back, uh, negotiating with terrorism, which it seems currently that that is the stance of the, of the, of the government and Sahal right now, that that doesn't seem to be on the, on the border, at least to what it seems. And that the approach is to go and try to release them, you know, through saving them and uh, destroying the enemy completely, Bezrat Hashem. So it's, uh, I, I asked a question, this is some Rabbanim, and uh, to me it seemed the right thing, 
is that we talk about how much great it is to give uh, tzedakah uh, for pedian shum to the extent that it is more important than any other tzedakah. And the question is, what are we able to do if we, you know, in this re- regard, t- for the sake of pidyon shulim? Can we give in any what? Sana and I asked um, this question. I asked both to Rabbi um, Baruch, <coughs> Rabbi Baruch Yorkovich from Lud, Chabad Kehilav Lud, very uh, well respected Rav. And I've also asked Rabbi Bogard from Yerushalayim, so from Ramot, from the Chabad community. He's also one of the important Dayanim in the Rabbanut in Yushalayim and asked if by giving money to help soldiers to be able to do their job easier whether it's paying they have night vision you know there's a lot of uh, reservists who don't have proper gear or or they could have upgraded gear maybe some are even lacking helmets and the like or or just food just getting food to the soldiers they should have high spirit and be able to do what they need to do is that in a form of and the answer that I received was that, it, yes, it is. At the very least, first of all, they're saving and protecting Am Yisrael. Of course, Hashem protects Am Yisrael, but Hashem sends messengers and, uh, and the like, and our tilim and our prayers are so effective and so helpful and needed. And Hashem also sends the soldiers that we need to, to do what needs to be done. And uh, providing their needs and uh, upgrading their gear or the like is a, is a form, at least some sort of form of, of, of pidyon shum to a certain degree because we're not paying uh, dollars and nickels or millions or trillions to, to terrorists, which it's not, this is not the way, they, they're not, uh, this is not the way that even security reasons we see is, is a way of working at things. So by giving to these causes, it can actually be such a high level of pidyon shum money at Staka. But I will note that it is important that in general, when you give tzedakah to these causes, a lot of the uh, organizations, they open overnight. And one needs to make sure that the organization one is donating to has uh, certain integrities and provenness, that the, the monies are properly given over as, as, as should be. In other words, not, not like uh, proportions which are mainly to the people who are funding it and just you know giving over some to... But it should be, uh, if, it's, if it's given over for purposes of soldiers, it should really be done in a proper way. And one should make sure that the organization is trustworthy in that regard. There's been reports that some of these organizations purchased equipment for soldiers and stuff and that, and they, they were not up to army standards, they couldn't use them. So those are separate con- uh, considerations that each person should make. I, I imagine that if you're giving to food for, for, for people in Israel right now, going under this and making sure that the families are good and that the terror victims are taken care of and that the soldiers are on good morale, that itself is also at least some sort of uh, reflection of the mitzvah pidyon shvuyim. May we never have these sufferings and may we have Hashem's pidyon shvuyim of Am Yisrael from Golis take us out of Golis with the coming of Mashiach.